Carolina knocked off a top 10 Tennessee team at home on Wednesday night, and it's got me wondering, was this the most important regular season win so far of the Hubert Davis era? You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? It's Friday, December 1st. Where does the time go? 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you everydayers for tuning in to make Locked on Tar Heels your first listener watch to get your team every day. If you're new to the show, welcome in. We are so glad that you're here too. By the way, if you're not already part of our Discord channel for Locked on Tar Heels, man, you are missing out on great conversations happening all day long. The link to it is in the show notes. We'd love for you to come join us, especially ahead of tomorrow's game against Florida State. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Coming up on the show today, we are going to get ready for that matchup against FSU, the first ACC game of the year, including the Four Corners preview and a little shady stat to be on the lookout for in the game. But before we get to all of that, I want to look back at Tennessee one more time. But actually, I want to do that because I want to look forward with it. Here's what I mean. On yesterday's show, we talked a good bit about the game itself, the win over Tennessee. Great conversation with Coach Rob, as always. Today, I want to spend a couple minutes talking about what that win means or could mean for both Coach Davis and his tenure and for Carolina this season. As part of that conversation, I've been rolling around this question in my head, and I'm really curious to hear what you think as well. Was this win over Tennessee the most important, and I'm using that word intentionally over biggest or best, was this the most important regular season win, not postseason included, just regular season win of the HD era so far? Um, the only, like I tried to think through of the past two years, past two seasons, what other games would be in this conversation? Obviously, the the biggest one that would contend with this is the win over Duke uh, at Cameron at the end of Coach K's regular season career. Uh, you know, that that's the one that probably right out of the gate trumps this one. Literally the only other games that I even considered talking about were the win over Ohio State at Madison Square Garden just because they were ranked, because of the venue, because of the, the dramatic end of regulation. But it turned out Ohio State wasn't that great of a team, so that loses some luster. And then also the win over number six, Virginia, late last season. But for me, if we're having this conversation, it's either the win over Duke at Duke to end Coach K's regular season or this win over Tennessee as the most important regular season win so far of the Coach Davis era. Here's the difference between these two games. And, and again, I, any other games you would consider outside of these two? Um, the difference for me, the, the Duke game helped 
kind of rescue what hadn't been a great regular season. Now, obviously, Carolina had a phenomenal close to that year, but it helped continue that trajectory that wound up in the national championship game. And as we said, sent Coach K to an L in his final home game. This one, by contrast, sets up the year to be a success from, you know, essentially the get-go of the season. An argument for the Tennessee victory to be the most important is that Carolina blitzed the first half and then kind of held on and pushed back in the second half. Whereas the Duke game in question, Carolina trailed by two at the half and then outscored Duke by 15 in the second half to kind of run away down the stretch. So there's an argument both ways there. An argument for the Duke game is that it was on the road. It was senior night. And as we've already said, it was Coach K's last game and the whole circus of that thing. While this one was at home and was a regular season game late November, right? So I I have a hard time deciding, but because of where we're at, because of how the regular seasons have gone, I actually personally am going to land with this one as the most important. Now that Duke game, that I is the most phenomenal. That is part of helping give Carolina the leg up in the rivalry for a good long time to come. You know, all of those kind of things. But let me give you a couple reasons why I think this Tennessee win is so important. Number one, this win is huge for H, the early part of Coach Davis's career and the, the kind of getting rid of some of the detractors. People were talking crazy preseason, like Coach Davis is going to be on the hot seat this year. All of that kind of, that is bonkers to me and has no place. If you're new to the show, I am I am somebody that like I want to lift up and encourage and champion, and I'm a very patient person. I'm of the belief that we should give people time to get their feet set under them, figure things out. Bubba Cunningham knew what he was doing, hiring someone with no um, head coaching experience at the high major level before, and you know knew that it was going to take some time. And so, come on, I, I got no place for that hot seat noise. And after that Villanova loss last week, you know people are starting to like, ah, same old, same old. But then here we look less than a week later, and now you've got back-to-back wins over ranked opponents. And it's at the beginning of the season to help set the tone and build a postseason resume. So to me, part of on the on the Hubert Davis side of things, this gets a big monkey off your back of getting some big time regular season wins, specifically this win over Tennessee to help set the tone of this year. Coach Davis has his dudes. He's ready to rock. The guys are ready to rock. It's year three. Let's do this thing. I think this win is a huge tone setter going forward for the trajectory of Coach Davis's coaching career. Secondly, this this win was critically important, not just for Coach Davis and his career, but also for this specific season, it's a tone setter. It is an absolute tone setter. Carolina has lost these early season ranked games each of the last two years. And and in those first two years, yes, again, we ended Coach Davis's first year really strong. But in totality, neither of the first two seasons under Coach Davis have been what we would consider a typical Carolina season. And honestly, it's not just the Coach Davis era. Carolina hasn't had a strong Carolina-ish season for the past four years. The last time we would say that was the 2018-19 season. Carolina has had double-digit losses in each of the past four years, if you don't remember. 
So the this win over Tennessee helps set a foundation from the get-go to prove that you can dance with the top of the sport, that you can hang with anybody, that you're ready to play with everybody. And it's also like a, um, as you look at just beating ranked teams, Carolina had not done well with that lately. Coach Davis's first year, Carolina was two and four against AP ranked teams. Last year, they were two and five against AP ranked teams. This year, they have already matched those two wins in the first seven games of the season. Two wins, two wins, and already this year, they have two wins over AP ranked teams in back-to-back games, oh, by the way. And, I mean, it, things were even worse the final two years of Coach Williams' coach legendary coaching career. 2019-20 season, Carolina was 1-7 in seven against ranked teams. They beat Oregon uh, right at the beginning of the season and then lost seven straight. 2020-21, Carolina was 1-3 in three against AP ranked teams. They lost the first three and then won their final one. So you might remember, Carolina had a 10-game stretch where they were 0-10 against AP ranked teams. That ain't good. But this, this is, this is building a foundation. This is setting a tone for what this season can and I think will be. But here's the thing. You can't just sit on it and be like, oh, you know what? We did great. Let's unbutton our shirt and relax and sip on a drink and be all good. No. Now the key is that you got to keep backing it all up. Carolina has laid the groundwork. They've done great things for themselves for this to be a special season. And yes, I mean that even with that loss to Villanova. If Carolina does the things that they want to do and can do and are capable of doing, that Villanova loss is a blip on a radar that happened early in November. Truly, truly it is. And and man, this team, these guys, this is fun. They're having fun. It allows us to have fun. And all of that is, it just, it translates to good Carolina basketball. It's going to be a great journey. And I'm excited to go on it with the team. And I'm even more excited to go on it with all of you listening and watching because we're all in this together and we get to go on a ride with this team. And as a reminder of of following this up, the upcoming stretch of games is a gauntlet. It has the potential to be the first stretch in Carolina history of playing five AP ranked teams in a stretch of six games. And that's if UConn, Kentucky, and Oklahoma are all still ranked at the time Carolina plays them. I don't foresee any world in which UConn is not ranked by Tuesday. Now, today, they're at Kansas. They play at Kansas tonight. Make sure you're tuned into that game. That should be fun. I don't see a world in which Kentucky is out. Oklahoma might be, depending on what they do. I haven't looked ahead at their schedule. Um, But this is the thing. You got to keep building on it. You can't sit on your laurels. You can't be pleased with what you've done. And that starts with Florida State tomorrow inside the Dean E. Smith Center. So who are the Seminoles this season? They had a rough go of it last year, much worse so than even the Tar Heels did. Are they moving back in the right direction this year? We'll talk about it in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by FanDuel. Hey, as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, like, hey, should I try this thing out? 100% you should, and there's no better time to get in on that action than right now. 
Their app is super easy to use, and there's a wide array of things you can bet on. Spreads, player props, over-unders, or how about this? The ACC regular season champion odds are out at FanDuel. Duke leads the way at plus 130. Yes, despite that loss to Arkansas on uh, Wednesday night as well. I don't think they've adjusted the odds since then. Carolina, plus 380. Miami, plus 650. Virginia, plus 850. And Clemson sitting at 1,000. So if you'd like to get in on that action, maybe you want to put some money on the Tar Heels, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get in on the action this NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Let's get set up for who Florida State is this matchup tomorrow on Saturday. So the Seminoles are coming to the Dean E. Smith Center. As a reminder, what a change from last year when Carolina, after their MTE, their multi-team event, had to go to Bloomington, come home, and then go to Blacksburg for this game, uh, you know, their, their first ACC game. And you might be asking, like, why, why is there an ACC game right now? Well, think about it. If you're the network and you're trying to keep eyeballs on your programming, what ended last Saturday that you would have every other Saturday? That's right. Regular season of the college football season. Or last regular last week of the regular season of college football. So what do you want to do on that very next Saturday? You want your next main product to be on those same airwaves. And so the ACC kicks off play this weekend. Interesting, Big Ten is kicking off play this weekend uh, as well. Now, both conferences will get back in the non-con after that and then get, get back to their uh, league play. But it's a brilliant marketing opportunity for the, the ACC as a conference to keep the football eyeballs hanging around because people are in the routine of Saturdays. So while it's kind of weird, it makes sense in that regard. So this game, tomorrow, Saturday, December 2nd, it'll be at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Get you a little bit of lunch. Get that uh, afternoon nap in real quick. Maybe you got some leftover pie. No, there's no way you should have some leftover pie from Thanksgiving. That's super gross. What am I talking about? The game is on ACC Network. We don't have the FanDuel line for this game yet, but Ken Palm has it Carolina by 13. Now you look at that and you go, ooh, Florida State, Carolina favored by 13. I thought Florida State's always athletic and great, and, and they are and will be, but you got to remember, this team did not play well last year really at all and uh, they're off to an okay start this year but we'll talk about it in a second here so all-time series record carolina leads 53 to 16 over the seminoles carolina has a two-game winning streak right now but the last eight games in the series the two teams have split four and four so uh, carolina is looking to make it a three-game winning streak and just kind of put a little distance between them and the Knowles. You are probably well aware that the head coach of Florida State is Leonard Hamilton, the longest tenured coach in the ACC by almost a decade. He's been there since the 02-03 season. The next longest tenured ACC coach, I'll, I'll quiz you. Let me give you a second, see if you can figure it out. Three, two, one. Pause if you want to guess, because I'm going to say it right now. Tony Bennett of Virginia is the second longest tenured ACC coach. He's been there since the 09-2010 season. So, uh, Florida State, by the way, their website is terrible. When, I, when I'm getting ready for opponents, there's all sorts of different things I'm looking at, including, you know, their website to just read up on the bios of players and things like that. And man, it is messed up. So I am, it's just as a reminder of how good we have things with Carolina, how great all the content always is. So thank you, Tar Heels Athletic Office, and particularly the digital media team for keeping this thing rolling well. Florida State is 73rd at Ken Palm. 
preseason, they were picked 11th in the ACC poll out of, you know, 15 teams in the ACC. So not looking great there. So far, they are four and two. The wins are over Kennesaw State. They were a tournament team last year. Central Michigan, UNLV, and Colorado in overtime. Now, you might look at that and think none of those are great wins. And, and you know, none of them are phenomenal, phenomenal. But I will say this. Colorado is a really, really good basketball team this year. And so um, that that is a great win for Florida State. So clearly they are capable of doing some things. But those other three teams they've beat, I mean, at, at Ken Palm, Kennesaw State is 237th, Central Michigan 308, UNLV 128. And then um, their, their two losses, you know, Carolina right now is 2-0 against the SEC. Florida State is 0-2 against the SEC. They lost a game to Florida. Uh, actually, I say lost. They got blitzed by Florida a couple weeks ago. And then they lost to Georgia as part of the ACC-SEC challenge on Wednesday night. And if you didn't see that thing, ish. Um, so Florida State was at home, had a 17-point lead with like 6.45-ish to go. Georgia storms back and wins this game in regulation. They hit a shot like a deep mid-range two with one and a half seconds left to come all the way back from 17 points in the final six, almost 630. Uh, ridiculous stuff. So Florida State, you'll. I'm curious to see how they come in. Are they reeling a little bit or are they like bound and determined we're going to rebound from that? We'll find out uh, how it goes. Players to watch for Florida State. Darren Green, 14.5 points a game and Jameer Watkins, 13 points a game are the leading scorers and the only two in double digits, but you might remember Florida state kind of spreads all their scoring out, spreads all their minutes out. And so that, that to me is not utterly shocking by any stretch of the imagination. What is a little interesting to me is that Cameron Fletcher and Baba Miller are only averaging 7.3 and 6.8 points a game themselves. Uh, These are the two guys that I really like for Florida state. Uh, Like Baba Miller is, a first round NBA draft candidate this year. And so like, that's what we're looking at. Um, And so while they're not the leading scorers, keep keep your eye out on both of those two guys. I I really like them, but um, they're, they're just not pouring it in the basket. Like a couple of these other guys are starters for Florida state in they've played six games, same starters for the first five cam Corin. Darren Green, Baba Miller, Jalen Warley, and Jameer Watkins. And then last game, they switched out um, Cam Corn and brought in Deontay Green. I, I tried to figure it out. I don't believe he and Darren Green are brothers, but um, Deontay Green gets inserted in the starting lineup and was like a rebound shy of a double-double in that loss to Georgia. So uh, a little bit of a fresh lineup right now for the Knowles, and, and so we'll keep eyes and tabs on that as, as we learn what the starting lineups are on Saturday afternoon. So that, that's a little bit of a primer for you about Florida State. But now I want to talk about our four corners preview, get to a little shady stat to watch for. And my question is this, kind of what we talked a little bit about earlier. Are the Tar Heels content to have just won these back-to-back games against ranked opponents? Or are they hungry and thirsty to be one of the elite teams in the country? We're going to talk about that in just a second. Okay, here we go, friends. Four corners preview. Number one, we're, we just roll through these. If you're new to the show, what we do, four corners preview and recap after a game. It's just a way to honor Coach Dean Smith and that four corners offense that he ran. So number one, fat and happy is what I'm calling this one. 
How does Carolina go about dealing with success? Yes, they reeled off the first four wins of the season. Yes, they lost to Villanova. And yes, they've since then beaten back-to-back ranked opponents. And I know people are like, oh, Arkansas. Yeah, they're ranked, but they're not that good. Look, they just knocked off Duke on Wednesday night. This is a good and talented Arkansas team that, by the way, we should all be cheering for all season long because that makes our win over them better. Same with Tennessee. Like, go be a Vols fan the rest of the season. When they play Arkansas, who cares? <laughs> Either way is uh, is a toss-up for Carolina. So um, what what is Carolina going to do with the success that they've experienced? Are they going to just – does it change practice a little bit where you start to feel yourself? Or is it, you know, I know the coaching staff is going to be like, hey, look, yeah, you blitz Tennessee in the first half, but that second half left a lot to be desired. Like, do they have the player's attention? I'm going to say yes, and here's why. This is a veteran and experienced laden team who they like for Cormac Ryan, for Paxson Wojcik, for Armando Baycott. There is no coming back. This is it. And when you get that finality, when you get that urgency, you, you don't play around. You know, we're, we're not messing. We're locked in. We're dialed in. Um, and but the, here's the thing. Here's the issue. What's coming up next Tuesday? Carolina travels back to Madison Square Garden to take on the reigning national champion UConn Huskies in the Jimmy V Classic. Florida State, as we've said, was ranked 11th in the preseason AP poll, in the preseason ACC poll and just like laid an egg down the stretch against Georgia. And so there's a tendency to be like, okay, we'll walk all over this. We're at home, favored by 13 at Ken Palm, Florida. State is struggling, but no. That's not what elite teams do. You know that. I know that. What elite teams do is say, oh, Florida State's reeling a little bit. Cool. Let's put them out of their misery. That's what I want to see. And that's what that's what this team has is that edge. And so I, I fully expect it. And, and beyond those things, you have to get up for your first conference game. The non-con wins are great and they help build your resume, especially against top teams and like, but already by knocking off Tennessee and probably the Arkansas win because um, you're all of that conversation of oh Carolina doesn't have any quad one wins. I fully believe that both of these most recent two wins are going to be quad one wins because neutral site over Arkansas at a neutral site it's just got to be top fifty, and then at home over Tennessee it's just got to be top thirty. So all of that talk you've heard. Yes, we'll still talk about the quads and all that, but Carolina has already locked up what I believe are going to be two quad one wins when we start to see where the net has these teams ranked. I can't remember when the net debuts, but it'll come out um, at some point in the near future. But all that to say, those non-con wins are great resume builders, but now is your first conference game, and you've got to get up for that because you you got to get every win I mean, all season, honestly, you'd love to go undefeated, but particularly at home, you got to hold serve at home. And keep in mind with that, when the main chunk of the ACC schedule starts, Carolina is on the road back to back to back. And so you don't want to mess around and go into that stretch with an 0-1 conference record. You got to take it 1-0. and So uh, that's that's what we're doing. You can't look ahead to UConn. You got to be dialed in on Coach Leonard Hamilton's Seminoles. And as part of this conversation, too, about are you fat and happy or are you elite? I'm always looking in each game. What do we learn about this team in this game? Because each time they step on the court and play, it's another data point in a series of data points across the season where, you know, we 
depending on how many games they play, we get 36, 37, 38, 39 data points throughout the year. And so what I'm really curious to see in this game as part of this fat and happy conversation is this team's ability to keep dialing it up game after game after game. This game does not have the luster of the Tennessee game on Wednesday night. But you know what I expect and what Coach Davis and the staff's going to expect? The Tar Heels to come out with the exact same level of energy that they did on Wednesday night, ready to go from the tip. That's what elite teams do, and that's what I want to see. So you got to take care of business. Make them ready to go back to Tallahassee at halftime. And what does that do? It allows you to spread out the minutes so that Harris Ingram's not having to play 40, so that RJ's not having to play 38 or whatever it would be. You want to allow those guys to get on the bench and get off their feet some so that when you play UConn on Tuesday or when you play Kentucky in about two weeks, um, yeah, it'll be exactly two weeks from tomorrow, that, that that's the games you want the guys to log heavy minutes when you need it. So that's why you got to take care of business in games where you should be able to do just that. All right, number two in the four corners preview. Florida State, as we said, will play a bunch of guys. So that's something Carolina's got to be ready for is the depth and length and athleticism of Florida State year after year after year. Right now, Florida State has nine players averaging 13 or more minutes per game and several more not too far off of that pace. And you hear that, you see that, and you start thinking, oh boy, they're they're going to eat into Carolina's legs because there's not many guys that play. And then you remember that this is a different year and that Coach Davis himself has eight players averaging double-digit minutes and that he's utilizing and playing that depth in a good and healthy way. So finally, again, like... Did you watch the Miami at Kentucky game on Tuesday night as part of the ACC SEC challenge? Miami is a really talented basketball team, but they are thin. And if you have depth, you can run, 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 run until they have jelly legs. And that's exactly what Kentucky did. That's what I'm hoping Carolina can do to them. But that is not what Florida State is going to be able to do to Carolina in this game. And I'm excited about that. All that said, though, watch Florida State running these guys in and out. Four Corners preview number three. The efficiency of the R.J. Davis, Elliot Cadeau, Cormac Ryan, Harrison Ingram, Armando Baycott lineup. This thing is ridiculous. Adrian Atkinson, you may or may not follow him on Twitter. If you don't, you should. He's a great follow at Freeport Kid. Uh, does a great job with like charting and dating and Carolina statistics. Had him on the uh, on the show years ago. Um, great conversation with him. So he notes about this lineup. Again, Davis, Cadeau, Ryan, Ingram, Baycott. They have played 20.8 minutes together so far this season. <clears throat> In that span, they have scored 62 points. That is a whopping and ridiculous points per possession of 1.68. If you don't have the context for that, usually you're like, hey, let's see if we can get to one point per possession on average. Carolina was is at 1.68 with this quintet. That is ridiculous, ridiculous. But perhaps even more importantly, Adrian notes that that, that fivesome has 37 offensive possessions together. And in that time, zero, zero turnovers. My goodness, when you are taking care of the ball at that level and scoring at that level, you're going to be really hard to beat, regardless of what your defense is. And all of that is part of why Carolina has the fifth best 
um, adjusted efficiency offense right now at Ken Palm. Great stuff. All right, number f- so so watch for that lineup. That's the lineup that started the past couple games, or actually didn't last uh, on Wednesday because of Cormac Ryan's injury. It was Jalen Withers. So we'll see how Cormac's right, how Cormac's ankle responds to playing Wednesday night in the quick turnaround. Because um, in some ways, get again, while this is an important game, you know how how do you want to deploy him? How did his ankle respond? So so we're watching for that and what the starting lineup will be. All right, number four on the four corners preview. I'm looking at three point shooting as well. We're at this point in the season where we're really going to start learning which three point shooting team Carolina truly is. And here's why I say that. Thus far, there has been a clear and defined demarcation line between the first three games of the season and the most recent four games of the season. So that would be basically pre-Atlantis and post or Atlantis and post-Atlantis. In those first three games, so that'd be Radford, Lehigh, UC Riverside, Carolina shot from three, 18 of 58, which is 31%. Broken down game by game, never more than 35% from three. 35, 29.4, 28.6. <laughs> By contrast, in the three games of Atlantis and the Tennessee game against the best four opponents Carolina has played this year, ironically or oddly enough, Carolina shot 39 of 92 from three-point range, which translates to 42.4%, more than 10 per, or 11.4 percentage points higher than the first three games. And while they never shot above 35%, in any individual game, those first three, they've never shot below 37.5% in these most recent four. 46.2, This team is cooking from three. But you've had about an equal distribution of games under 35 and games above 35, basically, is what we're looking at. Which is it? Which is it going to be? We expect it to be the better version of that. Right. And, and keep in mind, Cormac Ryan's is still not even shooting well yet. And Carolina is doing this. I now you're not going to shoot like three from that every game. But the good thing about this Carolina team is that they've got other and different ways to beat you, even when those shots aren't falling. That is the mark of a team that can be successful in March, by the way. <laughs> Just file that away for later. Um, and in so doing these last four games, the season average for threes is up to 38 percent. Remember last year, Carolina, low 30s, second worst ever in team history. They're at 38% now. That We'll see if that holds. I would love it to. And boy, if it does, this team is off to the races. All right, a little bit of a shady stat to watch for, and that's the free throw line. Something that Roy Williams always wanted for his teams was that they would make more free throws than their opponents would attempt. And Carolina is doing that so far this season. The Tar Heels are 150, have made 153 of their 199 attempts. Their opponents have only attempted 117. So Carolina has made 153. Opponents have attempted 117. That's a difference of plus 36. We will take that. Now, a lot of that has to do with Carolina literally doubling up the number of attempts that Tennessee had on Wednesday night because Tennessee sends its opponents to the line all the time. But Carolina, I want to see them keep getting there and keep making them at a high clip like they did against Tennessee on Wednesday night. So be on the watch out for that. It is going to be a great game on Saturday. Really excited to see how Carolina follows up the Tennessee win. 
I have great expectations for it. I hope you do too. Would love to be chatting with you in our Discord while we do it. Come follow us, join us in there. The link again is in the show notes. But friends, that's it for today on Locked on Tar Heels. That's it for this week on Locked on Tar Heels. We'll obviously talk this weekend uh, before Monday. I want to follow up on the basketball game while it's still fresh on Saturday. So um, come join us and let's do that together. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter. You can email the show LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Please don't forget to subscribe, smash the like button. And I want to always remind you that it's a great day to be a Tar Heel. And until next time, peace.